Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. And welcome to the Lakers Nation live off-season show. Lots of stuff to get into and to break down. If you are joining me from YouTube, Facebook, or Periscope, welcome in. I'll be taking your questions and comments live. If you are uh, listening to the podcast version of this over on Spotify or perhaps on Apple Podcasts, make sure you do rate, review, and subscribe. And I also encourage you all to go check out the NBA Front Office YouTube channel, which we have set up. Keith Smith and I, every single day, break down the entire NBA. So not just Lakers focus, but we look at the entire league, break everything down, particularly from a salary cap perspective. It is a lot of fun, especially this time of year. So make sure you guys go check that out as well. Again, that's the NBA Front Office YouTube channel, and you can also subscribe to the podcast. All right, so a lot to talk about tonight. I'm going to take your questions and comments about some hypothetical trades, about free agent signings, all the kind of stuff that we're into, and of course, the draft as well. Believe it or not, we're 10 days away from the NBA draft. Let's go. I am so excited for the draft. It's weird. It feels like the draft has taken a long time to get here, and yet somehow it's also sneaking up on us. Like, here it is. Like, we're we're almost there. It's almost draft time. But that really leads me to my bigger picture here. In the NBA... What we tend to see happen is this sort of calm before the storm that takes place during the NBA Finals. And by calm before the storm, I'm talking about from a transactional standpoint, because let's face it, when it comes to rumors uh, and kind of the, the buzz around the league, a lot of it is not actually during the finals, unless you're a fan of one of the teams that's in the finals. Usually the buzz is about the offseason. And during the finals, the NBA, you know, they tend to not like anything to steal the thunder away from the finals. So, for example, let's say uh, game six is tomorrow night between the the Bucs and the Suns, by the way. Uh, The Bucs will take it with a win. Let's say tomorrow at like three o'clock, a Lakers trade rumor breaks, right? Like something major, something major breaks that the Lakers are rumored to be trading for somebody. What would happen? Everybody would be buzzing about that. There would be a lot of discussion about that. And that would take away from the finals a little bit. So you get this calm before the storm because the NBA doesn't want that. The NBA doesn't want to see that type of thing happen. So things are normally kept super quiet during the finals so that the focus is on the finals itself. What that means for us is that right now is the time to catch a breath and prepare. Get ready. Limber up if you need to. Do some stretches, right? Prepare. Stock up on food, on water, and all that kind of stuff. Because you know what? In a few days... When the finals end, we're going to go into off-season mode. And oh my goodness, this could be chaos. Beautiful, glorious chaos. We should see a number of NBA rumors coming out every single day as we get closer to the draft. And free agency starts two days later. There's going to be, look, obviously with what I do, I can tell you guys, there hasn't been a whole lot. It's been really quiet for a few weeks now. But again, this is the calm before the storm. It's going to get crazy in just a few days, right? Things, maybe maybe a week, things are going to start really picking up in terms of the offseason news and rumors. And that's where we're going to start hearing about what next year's Lakers team is going to look like. And I am so excited to see what moves the Lakers are going to make, what possibilities are out there, what kind of trades they can make. There is a lot going on and it's all going to start to really blow up really soon. As soon as the finals end, I think we're going to kind of shift modes and get into more of an off-season friendly uh, NBA news cycle. So I can't wait to get into that. I love this time of year, and this is going to be a ton of fun. But let me get into some of your questions and comments here, and we'll get into this. 
All right. Uh, said Smith. Said Smith from Facebook said, we need a young, youthful defensive center. Who do you think we should target? So that's not an easy person to find. Maybe like the first name that pops into my, my head is Nerlens Noel. If you can get him and, and get him on board, that would be a nice fit, I think, for the Lakers. But for me, really, and I am going into this offseason with the approach that the center position is the running back position in the NFL, where it's like paying for a running back is very controversial. You only pay the top, top, top guys, right? Otherwise, you don't want to be the team to give a running back a second contract because they tend to break down as they get older. So you see a lot of teams who just rely on rookie running backs. I think the center position, you kind of have the same feeling where you don't want to spend a lot on the center position right now, particularly if it is a traditional big. And I'm talking about guy who blocks shots, rebounds, scores in the paint, but can't shoot from outside or anything like that. That type of player, you don't want to spend a ton on that person. So I don't know that you're going to find a young center like Rashawn Holmes would be great. He fits the bill, but he's going to cost more because he's more like the top, top tier guy. I don't think I want to spend on that position. I don't think that's where I want to put my money. If I'm the Lakers, you don't have a lot of money to go spend to begin with. And I think you've got larger needs out there. Now, if you go and you fill in your center position with, I don't know, I mean, you could say Robin Lopez, uh, Cody Zeller. There's there's a number of names out there. Uh, Nerland's Noel, right? There, there's guys that are on the free agent market right now or going to be that you can use as sort of a stopgap. And if you can get somebody as at a veteran minimum contract, specifically because Anthony Davis is going to be your center come playoff time, I would rather go that route. If I'm going to spend money and I'm the Lakers, I'm going to spend money on a guy who could be on the floor late in a game in the playoffs. And I don't think a true center fits that bill. Might that mean something for Andre Drummond? It might. I am curious to see what happens with Drummond because we know the Lakers like him. We know he's made some comments about Frank Vogel and then tried to walk them back, said, oh, it was just promoting my NFT. All right, I don't know how much I buy that. But uh, Andre Drummond has a relationship already with Rob Palenka because he used to be his agent. So might there be something there? Like, will the Lakers actually pay Andre Drummond? And if they do, there's a domino effect there where they can't put money elsewhere. And again, I don't know that that's where I want to put my money if I'm the Lakers. If I run out of options, okay. But I would be trying to find a 3 and D style wing first and a three-point shooting guard next before I turn my attention to center. I, look, somebody said re-sign Cousins. Yeah, I mean, look, there you go. There's there's another one, right? JaVale McGee, there you go. Dwight Howard. There's a bunch of these guys out there who can be totally serviceable in there for 20 minutes a night, particularly if the rumors are true about the Lakers relying more on Anthony Davis at the center position. I don't Then I don't see a reason why you would want to go and spend a lot at center. As much as that, like, people have talked about trading for Miles Turner. Hey, I love Miles Turner. That would be fantastic. The Lakers would be great with their paint protection with Miles Turner and Anthony Davis. But is that where you want to allocate your resources? I don't know. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Lakers approach that. Uh, Luke Noamovic from YouTube with a super chat. Thank you. Said, I want Marcus Gasol back. I don't care what anybody says. At the beginning of the season, when he was starting and playing 15 to 20 minutes, the Lakers were rolling. Okay, so I think we're talking about two things here, really, with that comment. Number one, the Lakers rolling at the beginning of the season. I don't I don't credit all of that to Marc Gasol. Like, I don't think Marc Gasol is the cure-all, where if he just played more in the second half of the season, the Lakers would have won a bunch of games. 
No, you had a healthy Lakers team relatively the beginning of the season and they won. And then injuries and fatigue started to become more and more of a thing through the second half of the season and they started to lose. So I don't think inserting Gasol more into the lineup just fixes everything. But do the Lakers still want to keep Marcus Gasol? And it's funny, you know, I did with Ron Gutterman the other day, we did a perfect offseason for the Lakers and keeping Marcus Gasol was part of it. And that was a very, very polarizing take. I was surprised by how many people, when people had a negative take on what we had come up with in terms of our, our perfect offseason, I was surprised by how many people focused on the center position because from our conversations and Ron and I talking, and, and we really didn't put a whole lot of stock into the center position. We said this isn't going to be that big of a deal. You keep Marc Gasol just because he's on a veteran minimum contract and he knows the system already. But if it doesn't work, okay, swap him out with somebody else. Okay, He can shoot threes, and so he offers that. There's not a lot of other bigs out there that can do that that you're going to get on the veteran minimum. But if you want to tell me that, oh, hey, Dwight Howard is the better fit than, than Marcus Gasol, okay. I, you can make an argument either way there. I don't have a problem with that. If you tell me, look, Robin Lopez will come to the Lakers, and we like him a little better than Marcus Gasol right now, fine. You could argue Gasol over those guys too. What I'm saying is there's a lot of guys out there that are in the same tier. So if it's Marcus Gasol, if it's somebody else, I think the Lakers will be able to find somebody. I do like Marcus Gasol. I think he gets burned a lot with his defense on the perimeter. I think that other teams pick on him quite a bit because they know that he can't stick with them. But that doesn't mean he's totally useless either. Again, shot 66%, I believe, from three in the playoffs for the Lakers. So I like Marcus Gasol. You're not playing him 20 minutes a night anymore. You're not probably, probably not playing him 30 minutes a night, certainly. But maybe you're at like a 15-minute night. And I don't know if... If Marc Gasol comes back, I don't think you look at him and say, all right, we've got our starting center. I don't think you do that if you bring back Marc Gasol. I think you still have to find something else, but I do think that he's a guy where if he wants to come back, sure, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I don't think you're going to get somebody for the veteran minimum who is significantly better. They might be better in other areas, and maybe you could argue those areas are a better fit for the Lakers, but I don't think you're going to get somebody who is just head and shoulders better than Marcus Gasol for the veteran minimum. Uh, Davis Painter from YouTube says, Trepper, it really looks like the Lakers want to keep their first round pick. Uh, I, I can't really say I've had any kind of impression one way or another on what the Lakers want to do with their pick. And that is not unusual. And by the way, I love this about the Lakers. This is so great. The Lakers heading into the draft, it's rare, aside from when Magic Johnson was at the helm, and this is not a shot of Magic, I love Magic Johnson, but when Magic was at the helm, things tended to leak out. Otherwise, things did not leak out, right? I remember when the Lakers picked D'Angelo Russell, and even Woj, who was spoiling every draft pick before it happened, even Woj didn't know who the Lakers were picking, right? Because they kept things so under wraps, and I love that. I like going into a draft knowing that, hey, nobody knows what the Lakers are going to do. Keeps teams guessing, keeps them on their heels, and keeps the trade offers coming in because they don't have any kind of certainty of what your team's going to do. So I can't really say one way or another if it feels like the Lakers are going to keep the pick or they're not. I think there are some really good, young, talented players there at 22, and there's going to be multiple good, young players, right? It's not like, oh, we really hope this one guy lasts, and if he doesn't, then forget it right? Then forget to just trade the pick. No, there are, you could talk me into a number of players as being great picks for the Lakers at number 22, whether it's Bones Highland, who I like a lot. Uh, Io Dusunmu, Trey Murphy, the third could be a plug and play three and D guy, right? 
uh, Chris Duarte, uh, Jaden Springer. There's other ones. Trey Mann. It goes on and on. There's lots of guys that are very interesting in the draft right there. But the question is, can you take that pick and turn it into something that's going to help you more right now? And I think here's the home run move. This is it. It's what you did last year. And I know that might raise some eyebrows. And I'm talking about the Dennis Schroeder trade. That's the home run move for the Lakers. And again, the way things played out, and I think Dennis Schroeder's perception among Lakers fans right now would suggest that that didn't work out the way it should have, right? Like, I think you could objectively say, had the Lakers actually not made that trade, let's say the Lakers kept 28 and drafted Desmond Bain with it. Great guy. Let's say they drafted Desmond Bain with 28 and they kept Danny Green for one more season. Would the Lakers be better off right now with Danny Green heading into free agency? You had Danny Green all season instead of Dennis Schroeder, and you've got a young shooter like Desmond Bain on your team instead of Dennis Schroeder. I think the answer is yes. The answer is yes. But that trade was a win at the time. That trade was a trade that you execute every single time because you were killing two birds with one stone there. You were getting a player who could help you right now and a player who's young enough to still be part of Anthony Davis's future with the franchise. If you can do those two things, I think that's where you look to move this pick. If you can get a player who is not 35 plus, right? Maybe you, you break this rule for a Kyle Lowry or somebody like that, but you can get a player who's young enough to fit Anthony Davis's timeline, but polished enough to help you win right now. And again, it did not work out the way we wanted it to with Dennis Schroeder, but that was the risk reward they were taking. And it made all kinds of sense at the time for the Lakers. Uh, Luke uh, Noamovich with the super chat again said, I agree, it, but that just shows he is usable. Yes, I agree. Gasol is indeed usable in that situation. All right. Jason Fuentes uh, from YouTube. Who do the Lakers re-sign first when it's time? Okay. So re-sign versus actually put the pen to paper, like who we hear about first might be different than who they actually re-sign because the order of things can sometimes matter for the salary cap. Like we had heard the Lakers sign Jared Dudley or were signing Jared Dudley way before they actually signed it because it was a veteran minimum deal. So they waited until they spent most of their money elsewhere first and then actually signed him. But who do they take care of first? I think it's Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, look, he's a clutch sports client, restricted free agent, but I, I just feel like they've already, they're already going to have something in the works. He was the sticking point for the Kyle Lowry trade. We know they want to keep him. I just think something gets worked out there. And that's just a gut reaction. Where's Chris Masters? The champ? Uh, Chris, he is still in the fold. Don't worry, guys. He's just been very, very busy with wrestling, but uh, but he will be back and involved soon. In fact, we're talking about maybe something at uh, Summer League. We'll see. Coming up. Uh, Luke Nwamovich, uh, again, the Super Chat said, He's currently going to play in the Olympics, so you know he's at least playing ball. Oh, still talking about Gasol. He's obviously not perfect, but against smaller teams, he's great to open the floor. Uh, smaller teams, I think, are where he gets burned the most because they're quicker. They can drag him out of the perimeter on the defensive end. I tend to think of fit defensively first, and then I look at offense. I think Frank Vogel kind of thinks the same way. Gasol against a small ball team is tough because he's going to get dragged out in switches in pick and roll situations. And so then you've got an issue there because he's going to get burned trying to defend on the perimeter. That's the challenge. Uh, flip side though, let's say you play him against a Rudy Gobert. Great. Gasol is going to stand behind the three point line and bomb away from three. 
I wish you'd shoot even a little bit more and ideally drag Gobert away from the basket. That's what you want to see happen in that scenario. All right. Uh, Joel M from YouTube said, who you got at the for the 22 pick? Man. So the the fun side, like if I just want to have fun with the pick, I want to get a player that I am going to really take a chance on. A boomer bust type player. I might be leaning towards Bones Highland. He's exciting. He just is his step back three. Oh, it's a thing of beauty. Uh, he's got that kind of lanky profile too. I'm a little bit worried about the athleticism in terms of finishing at the rim, but he just plays the game with a flair. That's, that's just a lot of fun. I think the, the sensible pick might be Trey Murphy, the third, just because six, eight, seven foot wingspan, very clear role, right? Like I owe sumo. Great. Love his skill set and everything. But is he a one? Is he a two? Where are you going to use him mostly? Is he, can he handle being off ball a lot? Right. You're not sure. Trey Murphy, the third exactly you know exactly what he's gonna do you know his role it is set coming into the nba he's a three and d wing player got good length moves his feet very very well defensively and shoots a high percentage from three i like that i like that a lot and so that's that's where i'm leaning right now chris duarte can absolutely make a case for him as well i think he would be another one that would be kind of a no-brainer nice fit for the lakers sharif cooper if he fell he's incredibly talented i don't but again, not a great fit because he doesn't shoot the three ball that well, but might be one of the most talented players of the ones we're mentioning here. There's a lot of good options. I guess that's what it comes down to, right? Again, I'm leaning Trey Murphy the third, but that is kind of the sensible side to me. I think there's a few other options you can go with if you want to try to buck the trend and go with something just, just fun and go for upside. Uh, YouTube, how did you not see me from YouTube uh, with a super chat? Why not trade for Rogier? Last two years, 19-4-4 on 40% from three. Dynamic point guard, 26 years old. For 17 million, Hornets already have LaMelo and Graham. But yeah, look, he's, he's absolutely an option if the Hornets do indeed want to move him. And uh, look, the three-point shooting has been great. Is it sustainable? Well, he shot pretty well from deep for the last two seasons. So hopefully there is. That is. Um, from the Celtics side of things, from his time with the Celtics, there were some character questions there. But those days may be behind him. I mean, he's played very, very well the last couple of seasons. And if you can get him, sure. Particularly if you know Dennis Schroeder is gone. If you've got a sign and trade set up for Dennis Schroeder, or if he's just walking into somebody else's cap space, going after a guy like Terry Rozier would make a lot of sense. So he absolutely should be on the list of targets. And I think the added benefit, if there's anything that doing the perfect offseason video showed me is just how restrictive the hard cap will be for the Lakers this season because of the contracts they already have on the books. Rogier, a guy who's already under contract, you're not going to trigger a hard cap by trading for him, right? A lot of the guys we talk about, Kyle Lowry, Lonzo Ball, Spencer Dinwiddie, you have to sign and trade for these guys. So you need their, because Lakers don't have money to go spend, you need their team to sign them and then trade them to you. And that automatically triggers a hard cap which is going to be really difficult for the Lakers to operate underneath. Terry Rozier, because he's already under contract, you don't have to worry about that. So I do think that's an interesting idea. Uh, Kelly Kell from YouTube. I get this question a lot. What do you think about the Lakers asking LeBron to renegotiate his contract? They can't. 
They, that, that cannot happen in the NBA. It, that's an NFL thing. It is against league rules. Can't happen. Not part of the collective bargaining agreement. Player cannot renegotiate their contract. Now, you can extend a contract if you want to, right? You can do that. But you can't go to a player and say, hey, we're going to renegotiate your contract. We're going to pay you less now uh, for a longer period of time or, or something like that. Can't do it. Okay. It's not the NFL. That's not the way it works. Somebody said, uh, how was your day, Trevor? Well, my day was pretty good. I, I went to a wild animal preserve today and got to feed giraffes. Like that kind of a random thing, but it was pretty fun. Pretty cool to get to go get to go do that and see some llamas and camels and all, all kinds of stuff. Got to do little family outings. It was my daughter's birthday this weekend. So she just turned five. And so we got to go do some fun stuff like that. Okay. Uh, Armand from YouTube said, Hi, Trevor. How are you? If the Lakers trigger the hard cap, can they still re-sign Dennis Schroeder, THT, Alex Caruso, and Andre Drummond? Please don't trade the 22nd pick. Uh, okay. So, oh, Chris Yeager said, Trade Kuzma to the Grizzlies for DeAnthony Melton. I wanted the Lakers to grab DeAnthony Melton in the draft that year. I was hoping they would get him in the second round. Didn't happen. I, I think Kuzma's got maybe a little bit more value than that, honestly. But, uh, but I do like DeAnthony Melton a lot. All right, so if the Lakers trigger a hard cap, can they re-sign all those guys? It depends on how they trigger it, but most likely the answer is no, almost certainly. So let's say that the Lakers trigger a hard cap by taking on a player in a sign and trade, whoever it is, right? Let's say DeMar DeRozan. Let's say the Lakers trade Kuzma for DeMar DeRozan straight up in a sign and trade, and DeRozan has agreed to only take on play for $15 million. Okay. So then if you're the Lakers, you're sitting with a salary structure of about $117 million on the books, and you now have a hard cap at $143 million. You cannot pass that for any reason. So go down the list. Dennis Schroeder. Let's say it takes at least 20 to bring back Dennis Schroeder. Okay, so now you're 117. You bring back Schroeder. Yeah, right there. You're at 137. And your cap is 143, and you still haven't dealt with THT, Caruso, Drummond, or really filled out any of the rest of your roster. And if you're hard capped, you can't even sign veteran minimum contracts. That's the thing. If if you don't trigger a hard cap, you can just keep signing veteran minimum deals. Those are an exception. So you can continue signing those. If you do not create the hard cap, there's three ways you make a hard cap, right? Three ways. You use your mid-level exception, right? That's one of the ways. You accept the player via sign and trade. That's another way. You use your biannual exception. Number three, the Lakers can't use. Can't use it. They used it last year on West Matthews. So it's use your full mid-level exception or use more than the taxpayer mid-level exception of your mid-level, right? So use between 6 million roughly up to the full amount, which is like 9.7-ish million, right? So if you use any of that amount anywhere in there, you trigger a hard cap. If you accept the player via sign and trade, you trigger a hard cap. But let's say you don't. Let's say you don't trigger a hard cap and you're sitting at, you don't execute that Kuzma for DeRozan fake trade that I just made up. Then you're sitting at about 115 million taken up by your players, but you have bird rights on Caruso, on THT, on Schroeder. So you can go over the cap to sign those guys. Let's say you give Schroeder 20 million. Okay, so now you're at 135. 
you give uh you give Caruso and THT, let's say you give them combined, I don't know, 15 million, right? Combined. Let's say you give them that much. And maybe you're gonna have to pay more, but let's say you give them that combined. Okay, now you're at 150 million in salary. Oh no, we don't have we can't do that, right? No, you didn't trigger the hard cap, so you can keep going. You want to fill out your roster? Great. Veteran minimum contracts. Here we go. You want to go chase down Carmelo Anthony? Come on board. All right. Jeff Green. Cool. Let's go target him. Bring him in. Veteran center. I don't know. Dwight Howard. Let's go. Veteran minimum. You can just keep signing those guys. Yeah, you're going to run into tax penalties and things like that, but there's nothing stopping you. There isn't that hard cap there that just stops you from continuing to build out your roster. So that's where the more I look at this, the more I think the Lakers will do what they need to in order to avoid the hard cap. If they do trigger a hard cap, then you get into some very difficult decisions. That's where you start looking at Kuzma, KCP, THT, Caruso. Some or potentially all of those guys are gone if you trigger a hard cap. Probably at least two of them are gone if you make a hard cap. That's that's just that's math. That's just the way it works out. So I hope that makes a little bit of sense as far as where the Lakers are at. Uh, who do you have winning the chip? Joel, uh, Joel M asked me. I still think the Bucs take it. You know what I said? My prediction before the series started was if Giannis plays, it's Bucks and six. If Giannis doesn't play, it's Suns and six. And Giannis is playing, so I'm going to stick with Bucks and six. Okay, let's get into this. Josh Childers, not not Josh Childress, right? Former NBA player. Uh, Josh Childers from YouTube said, how the hell can the Nets afford their team? Uh, and all I hear is we can't get three stars and have a roster. If we can get Dame, why the hell does money matter to the profitable, most profitable franchise in the NBA? It's because of the way the league rules work. And I know this is... From the outside, anybody who isn't like living this stuff, right? That isn't going over the salary cap structure all of the time. It's confusing and it doesn't make sense. Why can the Nets have three stars and the Lakers are strapped for cash? How does that make any sense at all? It's because the Nets never triggered a hard cap, right? They didn't do that. They brought back their own guys using bird rights. Joe Harris, right? Brought him back using bird rights. That's what they did to bring these guys back. Then they took their own guys that are under contract, like Jared Allen, right? And they traded them, uh, Karis LeVert, traded these pieces to get James Harden. They signed when they were under the cap. They signed Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in free agency, used bird rights to continue spending, right? On guys like Joe Harris, for example, right? They continue spending using bird rights. And then when the time came, they were able to package together enough salaries to satisfy the NBA's trade rules in order to go bring in James Harden. They were able to get close enough to Harden's salary in terms of sending out money to bring him in. That's how they did that. Um, if they had triggered a hard cap, they wouldn't have been able to add a lot of these guys, like Blake Griffin, right? Blake Griffin said, oh, look, we can contend for a championship. Cool, I'll play for the veteran minimum. Again, like I said earlier, with the Lakers, if you don't trigger the hard cap, you keep signing guys on the veteran minimum. And that's another thing we need to talk about. If you're the Lakers and you don't trigger the hard cap, that makes you a landing spot on the buyout market. If you do, you could be in a situation where you don't have enough room under the hard cap to sign any of the buyout market players. But anyway, the Nets never triggered that hard cap, and that's why they were able to 
put together the roster that they did. Okay, or it's part of why anyway. Again, they have they were far enough under the cap to sign Durant and sign Kyrie. That brought them up to the cap. They used bird rights in order to sign their guys to bigger deals and keep them and hang on to them. And then from there, they were able to put the package together enough contracts to equal out, to balance out James Harden's contract and a trade and then bring him in. That's how that worked. Um, and again, I understand looking at it from the outside, it's easy to just say the Nets should not be able to have, if the Nets can have three stars, the Lakers shouldn't have to be able to have three stars. It's got to be even like that. The order of when you spend your money and how you spend your money absolutely matters. Like, for example, what if we lived in a world where Anthony Davis never requested a trade from the Pelicans and just left in free agency instead? And the Lakers were far enough under the cap and they could have gotten there to sign him. And then they still had some of their young players because they never traded them for Anthony Davis. So now you've got LeBron AD and you've got some of these young players. You've got Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball or something. And then you're able to package together some of those guys and trade them for a third star. That's pretty much what the Nets did. That was the path they took, right? That would have been the way to do it for the Lakers. But what the Lakers did was they traded away a lot of their young assets that they had bird rights on in order to get Anthony Davis. And then they've paid AD and LeBron enough to where they're eating up the bulk of their salary cap. And then they went and added pieces from there. So they didn't really have guys under contract to go and ship out or guys that they boosted their salaries using bird rights. They didn't have that. So now they're operating under a little bit of a different cap situation. Sean O'Brien from YouTube. AD Kuzma and KCP, the Chicago for Zach Levine and Vucevic. Uh, I'm not trading Anthony Davis for that. Definitely not putting Anthony Davis in that package. That's not enough. Uh, Will, hey Trevor, between all the point guards that are rumored in trades and so on, who is, in your opinion, would fit the Lakers the best? Do you think Kevin Love will be in the buyout market? Should the Lakers sign him? Uh, okay, so two questions there. Who will fit the Lakers the best? Lonzo Ball. And, and it's weird saying that. Well, okay. No, hold up. Let me backtrack. Kyle Lowry would be the best fit in terms of check a lot of boxes and be a long-term solution. Lonzo ball, I think would fit very, very well. Kyle Lowry. I think in terms of if we're just looking to win next season, Kyle Lowry would be the guy. He's my pick. If it's let's just worry about next season and that's it. Forget about everything else. If it's long-term Lonzo ball would be my pick there. Uh, Kevin love. If he's bought out, if he was bought out. And the, again, the buyout market we're talking about, February, end of February is usually when the buyout market really heats up. So I, I wouldn't expect to see him bought out till around then. But if that did happen and the Lakers can add veteran minimums, they didn't trigger a hard cap and he's healthy. Sure. Because here's the thing. Veteran minimum contracts, if you're not hard capped, they don't matter that much, right? Like, let's say you take a chance and you sign Kevin Love to a veteran minimum. Worst case, you're out the whatever, almost $2 million that you would have to spend in salary. And look, that's that's a lot of money, but for a team like the Lakers, that shouldn't matter that much. So worst case, they signed Kevin Love to a veteran minimum. It's clearly not working out. Bummer. You cut him, and then you go sign somebody else for the veteran minimum. That's the brilliant part about being under the hard cap uh, or being not hard capped, is that you can just keep doing that if you need to. Now, that's not ideal. It's not what you want to do. You don't want to go constantly cut people and sign people, but you just have that kind of flexibility. 
So if it's for a veteran minimum, the risk is basically zero. Uh, all right. Sravan Matamari from YouTube said, try to work out a sign-in trade involving Schroeder and a pick for DeJounte Murray. Okay. So first, let's start with the sign-in trade going the other way. So if the Lakers take Dennis Schroeder and they sign him and trade him somewhere else and they don't accept the player back that has also been signed and traded, they don't get hard capped. You only get hard capped if you accept the player that has been signed and traded to you. So that's key. So you can sign and trade Dennis Schroeder and not get hard capped. Okay. DeJounte Murray. Yeah. Sign me up. I would do that. If you can. But Greg Popovich does not like the Lakers. Um, the Spurs cooperating with the Lakers. I have a really hard time seeing that based on the way things went with Kawhi, based on the way things went Anthony Davis, based on the way things went back when the Lakers signed Pau Gasol or traded for Pau Gasol, Greg Popovich goes out of his way to try to stop the Lakers from doing things. So I would not say that's very likely. Uh, question, Christian, Paul Caracruz from YouTube. Is it possible for the Lakers to get Lonzo without trigger the, triggering the hard cap? Uh, no. I mean, the only way to do it would be if Lonzo Ball was, well, okay, I shouldn't say no. The way you would do it you would have to clear the decks. You would have to literally get rid of everybody. I'm talking about you would have to part, you'd have to say THT, Caruso, see you later. You guys just walk, renounce all your free agents. Uh, you'd have to get rid of KCP and Kuzma. You would have to cut your team down to be LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Luol Deng. Yeah, that's right. His $5 million is still sitting on the books. Um, one more season. That's about 81 million. The cap's going to be at about 112. That would give you enough room to bring back, to go and sign Lonzo Ball in free agency. That's the way you would have to do that. And then you would not be hard capped. But again, you're talking about just watching guys walk away, gutting your team basically for Lonzo. That, that's a, and that's a very extreme example, obviously. Otherwise, most likely I would say no, because in order to pay Lonzo the amount that he wants, you're probably going to have to do a sign and trade. But again... That's the situation that you're in. You would, you would have to clear the decks, which again means giving Kuzma to a team for nothing or, or draft pick or whatever. Um, same thing with KCP. And I don't think the Lakers would want to go down that path. That's kind of a nuclear path to go down. Maybe, I mean, depending on how much Lonzo wanted, maybe you would have enough room and enough wiggle room there to keep one of Caruso or THT. Maybe. And then from the rest of the way, you're looking at, you know, maybe a mid-level exception or a non-taxpayer mid-level using that. Maybe you could use your full mid-level if you're that far underneath the cap. And then I guess you'd have the room exception there. If you went under the cap. Yeah, if you operate as a below the cap team, you'd have a room exception. So that's about $5 million, And then you'd have some better minimums. That's a tough way to build out a roster, though. Somebody said, bring back Lou all day. No, that's, that's not going to happen. Somebody said, Hey Trevor, you've been working that overtime, bro. Not really. Not really. This has been, like I said, to start the show, this is the calm before the storm. This really is. 
This things are about to get crazy within the next like week or so. Okay, things are really going to pick up where I'm going to be pretty much just tied to my desk here. Um, I've hopefully moved into my new studio by that point. I'm fingers crossed, hoping it's actually going to get done tomorrow. If you've been following me over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA, you've seen the progression of the new studio that's being built right now. It's being built right above me, actually. And I'm fingers crossed. I think might be finished tomorrow, maybe by the end of the day. But yeah, this this has not been working overtime. Working overtime is what's going to be coming in the next week or so. Davis Painter from YouTube said, for a small ball lineup of LeBron, AD, Schroeder, Buddy, KCP, the floor spacing would be so nice. Yeah, so that Buddy Heald was in my perfect offseason for the Lakers, and I concocted a scenario in which Buddy Heald would come to the Lakers without sacrificing KCP. It was for Kuzma and uh, Montrezl Harrell picks up his player option in that scenario. It was a dream scenario. I don't think it really plays out that way. But if you could get Buddy Heald and keep KCP, the floor spacing you would have could be tremendous. LeBron, Buddy, AD, KCP, and then you can add some, maybe another shooter out there somewhere. Whew, that could be very, very nice. Uh, somebody asked, what are your tattoos? Um, I've got a number of tattoos that have all kind of morphed into one tattoo at this point. I have a time-themed sleeve here that's in progress that still needs a little bit more work to get done. I've got to get my inside bicep. I have to have a second final session done on that. Um, but babe, it's a time-themed sleeve. I've got a map on my right shoulder. I've got a rib tattoo. I've got both my calves tattooed. It's, yeah, those are, those are my tattoos. I'm not going to go through all of them or what they all mean or whatever. Uh, Omar, the Lakers fan from YouTube said, what's your take on Andre Drummond? Do you think he's a failed experiment and should we let him go or should we give him another chance? I think Andre Drummond gets a little bit of a bad rap. And I've got a theory for why that is. It's something I've talked about here on the show before, but I think that what happens with Andre Drummond is his mistakes are so egregious. Like they stand out. It's missing an easy lob dunk from LeBron where all he has to do is just hammer at home and he badly messes it up, right? Like misses it by a mile. Those are the mistakes that you see. Or he he gathers a ball, turns towards the basket, nobody in front of him, and he fumbles it and drops it out of bounds, right? Like those are the mistakes we're seeing Andre Drummond make. And those were are things that are going to stick with us. And it's going to kind of infect how we see him as a player. It's going to make us think that he's worse than he actually is. I think he's he's not a great center, but I think he's decent. I think he's decent. Um, I would be totally okay with bringing him back on the veteran minimum. The challenge, and I got into this earlier in the show, is if you bring him back and you pay him more than the veteran minimum, and he's already said he doesn't want the vet minimum, which of course he shouldn't want that, but if you're allocating more than the veteran minimum to the center position, that's money that you can't spend elsewhere. And I think it's more important that you're able to get those other things. And I'm talking about three-point shooting primarily, uh, as well as you know some wing defense and some shot creation as well, a playmaker. I think those things are more important. If you have to downgrade, say, from Andre Drummond to one of the other bigs that's out there that'll take the veteran minimum, I think that's okay. I think you're okay there, whereas not getting a playmaker, not getting more three-point shooting, I think that's going to really hurt you more than swapping from Andre Drummond to Dwight or, or whoever else is, is out there, right? And there's a lot of guys. 
Mr. Awesome, are the Lakers the preferred destination for cheap vets or will they sign with Brooklyn? Uh, a lot of that just depends on relationships. I think that they they are a destination. They are certainly a destination for veteran free agents. Are they the destination? I don't know. They're not the only one, but Brooklyn is up there as well. And Brooklyn is entering the season as the betting favorite to win the NBA championship. And I understand why. They look tremendous. Even when they had just two of their three guys, their three, their big three going, they looked really, really good. So I would also make Brooklyn the favorite to win based on what we saw most recently. Um, so Will is asking, why is Mike Conley not on the list for the Lakers? It's the same reason as some of these other guys. Look, Mike Conley, again, he'd be great if you can get him. But the Jazz, I think, are going to make a pretty strong offer for him. And on top of that, you're triggering triggering a hard cap by getting him. And then you're putting yourself in a tough spot. Now, could you do a sign and trade, double sign and trade with Dennis Schroeder or something? Maybe. But again, then building out the rest of your roster is so difficult if you've got that hard cap. That's that's the challenge, right? But look, Mike Conley would be great. He would be, a, be fantastic. But making it happen is tough. Not to mention the fact that we live in this world where all of these teams in the West see the Lakers as their their mortal enemy, right? The Suns, the Suns fans hate the Lakers. The Suns, the Spurs, the Jazz, the, the Nuggets, the Blazers, the Warriors, the Kings, the Clippers, right? They, they all see the Lakers as their biggest rival. And Lakers fans have no hatred for most of those teams, save for the Clippers. Lakers fans right now, but based on my sense, hate the Clippers and the Celtics. And that's about it. Right. Maybe a little bit towards the Brooklyn Nets because they're kind of the new big bad out there. But Lakers fans don't get that upset about the Blazers or the Suns, even though they're in the finals right now or the, the Jazz or anything like that. Like there, there isn't that animosity. Those clubs, though, see the Lakers in a very different light than the way we see them. So if you suggest to the Jazz, hey, participate in a sign and trade that will give Mike Conley to the Lakers, Jazz fans will say no, they will riot. They will. They would rather send him anywhere but to the Lakers. And the same could be said for the Kings and for the Blazers and all these other teams. So it's just something to keep in mind. These teams, a lot of the teams we're talking about trading with, see the Lakers in a different way than how you think of those teams. Uh, is Westbrook to the Lakers really possible? Math-wise, sure, but practically, no. Making that work is very, very difficult. Uh, can we get Spencer Dinwiddie? Again, the issue with Spencer Dinwiddie is the sign-and-trade. Same exact thing. And here's the thing. Spencer Dinwiddie and Dennis Schroeder are the two guys that we've heard connected to this idea, this belief out there, that starting point guard gets $25 million. I don't know if they're starting point guards. I think Spencer Dinwiddie, you can argue if he's fully healthy, is more of a starting point guard than Dennis Schroeder is. And that's not supposed to be a knock on Schroeder. I think I think if Dennis Schroeder is your sixth man, you've got arguably the best one in the league, right? If Dennis Schroeder is your backup point guard, you probably have the best backup point guard in the NBA. I don't know if he's for sure a starter, though. He thinks he's a starter, and he's certainly talented enough to be. But if he is your starter and you're paying him $25 million a season, what kind of a team are you? Are you good enough? I don't know. I don't know. And I would lean towards probably the no side on that if you're giving him that much money. But Spencer Dinwiddie had a comment about a week ago. Report came out that Spencer Dinwiddie 
essentially said, look, if the Nets were to offer me five years, they're the only team that can offer five years, 125 million, he would take it. He would stay. Otherwise, if they're offering three years, 60 million, his take on that is, well, everybody can offer that. So why would I stay with the Nets? I'm going to go somewhere else. That pretty much reinforces that he believes he's worth between 20 to 25 million. I don't know if the Lakers can afford to pay a point guard that much. Dennis Schroeder paying him that much, you can get away with it because you have his bird rights. If you don't trigger a hard cap, you can pay him that much. If you really don't like Dennis Schroeder, you can trade him down the road, right? You don't have to watch him walk away for nothing. You could pay him that much if you wanted to. An outside guy, though, that you have to trigger a hard cap in a sign and trade to get that you're going to pay that much money to, building out the rest of your roster becomes very, very difficult. Very difficult. Unless you're talking about signing, trading, Kyle Kuzma and KCP to offset that salary. But then do you want to do that? Do you want to trade Kuzma and KCP, swap them out for Dinwiddie? Is that a plus move for the Lakers? Compared to another move you could make with those guys? I don't know. That's the challenge. All right. Somebody asked, would Darren Collison be an option uh, for the Lakers uh, to bring in a new point guard without triggering the hard cap, still being able to move Schroeder for something else, or is Darren Washington done? We haven't seen him play in a year. We haven't seen him. Look, if he is, if he's the guy that he was right before he left, yeah, bring him in. No problems with that. But he hasn't played in a year. He retired. He, he's done. So I wouldn't just assume that he could step in and play. If it's possible, I don't know if you just make him your starting point guard. You probably want to make him a reserve first and find out, can he really continue to do this? But uh, in theory, if he was just magically the same guy, yeah, be fine with that. TJ McConnell. Yeah, sure. TJ McConnell uh, could be a good fit for the Lakers. Depends on what you got to pay. But again, Three-point shooting, a little bit of an issue. Shooting in general, he's not really a scorer. He's more of a pass-first guy. But Pesky, he's not going to care if you make him come off the bench. Not going to care if he starts. That's not going to matter to him. Uh, should certainly be an option. What would it take to make room for Kawhi if he wants to come? Uh, you would have to move heaven and earth. No, you would have to clear your books. And even then, you can't get enough. You can't get enough for a max, even if you clear your books. You wipe out everything. Kyle Kuzma, the 22nd pick, KCP, gone, gone, gone. Marcus Gasol, 2.6 million, gone. Get rid of him. Alfonso McKinney, gone. You get rid of everything except for LeBron and AD. You still don't have a max deal to offer for Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> Let's do one more. Let's do one more of these before we call it an evening. And again, guys, I who knows? By the time we do this again on Thursday, remember, we do this every Monday and every Thursday, 9 o'clock Pacific time. By the time we do this again on Thursday, like we might have 15 things to talk about, right? Like this, things, the rumor mill can heat up very quickly, particularly once the finals end. So just be aware and be ready for that. It might not happen right away. Maybe it doesn't happen by Thursday. It might be like the following week. That's possible. I'm just saying it's coming. 
right? We're in, this is the calm before the storm right now. Things are going to heat up around the NBA very, very soon. Oh, somebody said, I sound tired. I, again, I had my five-year-old's birthday this weekend. We've had family in town. We've been doing all these different activities and things like that. So yes, I probably do sound a little bit tired right now. All right, Trevor, is there any player you would trigger the hard cap for? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of guys out there that you would, that you would say, okay, I'll do that. Um, the question is, can you get them to take a low enough amount where you can still do some other things? But realistically, like if Kyle Lowry says, hey, I want to be a Laker, you're going to do what you can to make that work, right? If Certainly if Kawhi said, hey, I want to be a Laker, you do what you can to make that to make that work. Um, if a guy wants to come for, for the cheap, but he's willing to take the mid-level, et cetera, like DeMar DeRozan says, hey, I'll sign for the mid-level. Yeah, you probably do that and you just deal with the ramifications of a hard cap. Um, so there's certainly guys that you would do it for, but it doesn't mean that building out the rest of your roster is easy and you would need someone to do it on the cheap really to make it happen. So if it's, let's say it's Spencer Dinwiddie and he says, Hey, I want to sign and trade to the Lakers, but you got to pay me 25 million. I'm probably not doing that. Not that I don't like Spencer Dinwiddie or that I don't want him on the Lakers. I absolutely do. But it means that you're letting go of KCP, Kuzma, THT, Caruso, Probably three of those guys have to go for nothing, for no return. For maybe you can get a future pick or something, but you can't bring back salary if you're going to be able to fill out your roster after that. You would have to, you're sacrificing a lot in order to clear the space to fill out your roster after triggering that hard cap. That's the difficult part. So I hope that makes sense. All right, guys. Appreciate all of you joining me today. Uh, again, things are going to heat up around the NBA and I can't wait to see what happens in the next few days. Don't forget, subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And don't forget also to go subscribe to the NBA front office channel. Keith Smith and I are rocking that every single day, bringing out news about the entire NBA. It's a ton of fun. So go check out the NBA front office channel as well. Appreciate all you guys joining me. As always, this is a ton of fun. Always love talking Lakers basketball with all of you. Till next time, see ya and stay safe.